Hello from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks, St Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. did last week, uh, we talked about living powerfully, uh, got some notes there, just say there is a, I've noticed already, that, uh, you may know something else, but I know there's a, some, if you go down towards where it's got walking love, that uh, it's got there, th- th- the third line down says powerful people, living people, I mean no that's not right, <laughs> it's meant to be powerful people, living love, so always, always make sure, make sure you always check it before you, before you send it out, which I very rarely do anyway. Okay, yeah, so we're talking about uh, uh, so last week uh, about this, there's three words really from and it's based on the book of Ephesians uh, and I said before that last week one of the most powerful books that had a great impact on my life was uh, Watchman Knee Sit, Walk I mean the third one Stand uh, and, and he kind of sums up really that those three are, are the three main words in the book of Ephesians the first three chapters talk about your about sitting, what it means to sit in Christ. I'm going to test that again in a moment. Then from three to five, he talks about how you outwork that, the walking. Then the sixth chapter really is about standing, how to stand in Christ. And I think those, if, if we could actually allow those three words to have such power in our lives, if, if we really lived in the revelation of those three words, and we, if we knew how to sit, if we knew how to walk, and if we know how to stand, We'd never be defeated. We are defeated because of one of those three things. Either we've not really learned to sit, or we've not, we're not really working out what is true in our lives, or the third thing is we haven't learned what it is to stand. And so yet those three things can just have incredible power in our lives. Uh, and that's what we looked at, at sitting, what it meant to sit in Christ, to, to realise who we are in Christ, our position in Christ. Uh, and I, I said last week, really, that there was... Really that there was there's three words that often there's basically a few words that sum that up in the first three chapters there was the word rooted what it means to, sitting means to be rooted in Christ it means to be grounded it means to kind of sink down into if remember I got a bean bag remember I couldn't get out of it again uh, so it means to kind of be kind of to, to kind of really it's not just this picture of just sitting like this rigidly it actually means just that you're settling it you're, you're, you're totally right into it uh, that, you're, that you sink down into it. It also means that to comprehend, to grasp, to seize fully and possess all that is ours. I'm going to give a few quotes from this guy. There's a guy called Brendan Matthews. Not Bernard Matthews, but Brendan Matthews. How many have heard of Brendan Matthews? Uh, he wrote a book called, the uh, interesting book called uh, The Rag, the Ragamuffin Gospel. <laughs> I love that title. And he says this, he says, my deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply rooted by Christ Jesus. I've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. It says it is settling down deep into and letting it settle down, deep down into you. That you are loved with an everlasting love. It is a love you didn't earn, a love you did not deserve, totally unconditional love. He just loves, he loves he loves. And really what that is talking about, that once that's settled in our hearts, it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, we are settled, 
with the fact that we are absolutely loved by God unconditionally. That's settled. It's not even something that's even questionable. We are settled in that truth. We're settled who we are in Christ. We're settled in our position in Christ. I think throughout the New Testament, particularly through Paul's writing, the word in Christ is mentioned 63 times. That's a good study for you. Go through your Bible and underline all the times it says in Christ. And that means you. Whatever, whatever that refers to means you. In Christ, you're a new creation. That means you. And so forth and so forth. And so we, kind of, we get settled. We, we, we begin to live and, and we're just so established in all these truths that we are in Christ. That's our position. That's who we are. Now, here's the point. Out of that, we begin to walk out of that truth. The point is, if we've not established in it, we're never really going to be walking it. Did your mum ever say, say this to you? Don't try to run before you can walk. How many of you have ever heard that saying? Now, I want to kind of maybe change a little bit and say, don't try and walk until you first learn to sit. Christianity never begins with a do. It begins with a sit down. That's how it begins. Remember, as we saw last week, that we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's how it begins. That's where we work from. And until that's really established in us, our walk is not going to be effective. Until that's really down and grounded in us, and we know who we are in Christ, then our walk in Christ will never be effective. Because we're walking out of something that hasn't really been established in us. Can you see what I'm saying? And so that's where it begins. It begins with this big sit down. I'm seated with Christ. Now, that doesn't, and the, the point is, that doesn't mean that's, that's it now. We're seated in Christ and forget everybody else. You know what I mean? Forget everybody else now. I'm seated in Christ. I'm happy. So what the hell matters? The point is, out of that, we begin to live that truth out in our relationships with, a, with each other, in our relationships then with the world and the people around us. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Learning to walk in the truth of who we are in Christ. Walking out of the truth of who we are. Really, it, it's, it's a practical outworking of our heavenly position on earth. We are seated in heavenly places and out of that we begin to leave a heavenly mark on our earthly conduct. We bring something of heaven into our homes, into our workplaces. As I said, from chapters 4, sorry, from, yeah, from chapters 4 to chapters 5, the book of Ephesians is all about, really, how you live as a husband. It's about how you live as a wife. It's about how you live and how you work, how you behave as a parent. It's about how children work. It's about how employers work. It's about how employees react. So it covers a whole practical aspects of life. So Paul says, hey, this is who you are in Christ, and now this is how you, you, you behave as a husband. This is how you now behave as a wife. This is how you now behave as an employee. That's, this is how you now behave as an employee. This is how it works in your everyday life. Isn't the, the Bible practical? And so I'd encourage you to, to read Ephesians. It kind of speaks all about that. Uh, in other words, I, I like to describe this way. We express what we possess. I'm going to love that thought. You express what we possess. How can we express what we don't possess? But if we possess it, then we truly learn to express it. In other words, what's inside us, what we kind of sit on, 
permeate every aspect of our lives. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the, the mouth speaks. So what's really inside us has some form of expression. Paul said it's the power that works within us. In other words, that power is expressed. It's released from who we are in Christ. We turn to Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. And as the, Paul uses certain things to describe, really three words describe what we walk in. And here's the first one. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were caught, with all loneliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Just those, there's that word there. It says we walk worthy. That word walk means to order your behaviour, especially in areas of relationships. Ephesians kind of 1, verse 15, says these words. Therefore, I also, that I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, that's your, your position, your faith, and the outworking of that is that your love for all the saints. I thought that when you walk, it's a step. You know, a walk is defined as a step, by step, by step, this step. This is where I, I kind of see what Paul's saying. He says, basically, what you walk towards, you become. As you get older, what you look at, what you face, what you walk towards, you begin to become. If I walk towards who I am in Christ, that's who I become. If I walk according to my circumstances, I mean, people, I mean a lot of people walk according to their circumstances. That's, that's, how they, that's how they walk. That's how they live their life, according to their circumstances. If we walk according to our circumstances, we end up being quite disappointed. If we walk according to our feelings, then that is so up and down and so all over the place. If I see, my, if I, if I see myself as unlovable, I begin to walk in guilt and shame. How many people walk in guilt and shame? Because they see themselves, they walk towards, and they look, see themselves through their sense of, unlo- of being unlovable. Here's the point. If I see myself as an overcomer, you know how I'm going to walk? As an overcomer. If I see myself as loved, I will walk as someone who is loved. The Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. If I walk by faith, I walk with a sense of confidence and assurance. Ever seen people walk with a confidence? Ever seen that walk? You know, you know, so. when people aren't, when people are really down, have you, have you noticed that people's walks are affected? It's like, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm all right. But it's always confident that they walk there. You know, this confident air about themselves. You see some of the, I love this. So if you ever, if you ever do walk around Birmingham, you see some amazing walks there. You know. So these guys who walk like this. It's funny. And they're just confident. And they express their confidence by their walk. And that's true spiritually. You express 
how you see yourself, what you're looking at, what you're beholding, by how you, how you spiritually walk. What you look at, what you gaze upon, affects how you walk. It affects the... See, you walk by faith because you already see the outcome in your heart, not as you see it now. How many realize if you, if you walk by how you see it now, that's not always good? But if I walk seeing the outcome before I see the result, it changes everything around me. Amen? So Paul says here, you walk what? Worthily. That word worthy. And the word worthy means to respond in a way that is equal to what you are becoming. I think they've got on your notes. Worthy is really receiving a revelation and making that revelation yours. It's a phrase. I love this phrase. You'll find it a lot in Revelation. And in Revelation, there's this picture of, of people who have gone before us. And there they are, they're before the throne of God. You know what they say? Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. That's what they say. In other words, they're saying, Jesus, you are just so amazing. Jesus, you are so amazing. Worthy, worthy, worthy. The best way I describe it is this. It's almost right there in heaven, they get it. They suddenly, for the, they really get it. Often we can live our lives and we never really get it. We never really get who we are in Christ. We never really get who God's made us to be. We just somehow don't get it. But right there in heaven, they're saying, worthy, worthy is the Lamb, because they finally get it. Let me give you another question from, another quote from Brendan Matthews. This is powerful. Not Brendan Matthews, Brendan Matthews. I think it's one of the most powerful quotes I've read for a long time. You know, this sense that you get what he's done for you. But listen to what this quote he says. I think it's so powerful. He says, the, he says, the greatest cause for atheism. What would you think is the greatest cause for atheism in our world today? Think about it. Don't answer it, but you think about it. What is the greatest cause for atheism in our world today? This is what he says is the greatest cause of atheism. He's saying it's not me, but I agree with him probably. This is the, the, he says, this is the greatest cause for atheism in the world today. It is the Christian who acknowledges Jesus with their lives, but who walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyles. That is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. Wow. I think that's a powerful quote right there. You see, the world is looking not for perfect people, but people who walk worthy. People who just walk worthy of the Lord. Have you ever spoke to people who are mad with God? Have you ever heard a conversation that they're just mad with God? Not everyone, but I found this. A lot of the people I speak to who are mad with God, often, when you really begin to talk to them, here's the thing. Often, they're not so much mad with God, they're mad with God's children. Isn't that true? That's the reality of it. They're not really... And they express that they're mad with God's children by expressing they're mad with God. And you ask that time and time again. When you really begin to examine it, you'll find that they're mad with God's children. And I think people who receive the amazing love of Jesus, they're just so thankful and appreciative what the Lord has done out of that realization 
out of that understanding, out of that knowledge, we begin to touch people around us. Jesus says, people will know that you're my disciples, how? not by how you sing, not by even how amazing your, your, your services are. That's cool, but that's not, that shows where the disciples. It's not even really of how well, you know, we, we know the scriptures. And that's awesome. That's important. But Jesus said, this ultimately is how you know my disciples. It's how you what? Love. That's ultimately the evidence. That's how people are going to stand and be amazed that they know that you are my disciples. Here's a challenge, and it's a big one right now. Have you ever thought what, what Jesus says about what we should be like? Have you ever thought about that? It's awesome. I'm just, you, you think of the demands that Jesus says that we should be like. This is how Jesus describes that we walk worthy of him. Now think about this. I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible, okay? And this is how Jesus says that we're to walk worthy of him. To forgive people like we've been forgiven. Isn't that true? To love our enemies. There's a big one. To be holy as he is holy. What about this for a challenge? He said that you are to do the works that I do. But how many know he didn't even stop there? Greater works than these you shall do. Here's a big one. Go into the entire world and preach the gospel. Now, am I making that up? Or does the Bible say that? Is that true? Now, you think about it. Those are challenging demands, aren't they? And I've only touched some of them. There's a lot more than, than even those sort of things. That's just a, a, a basis of it. But you know what he... You know why he says those things to us? And here's the thing we just see. Because Jesus would never make demands of us of something that he knows we can't do. Wouldn't that be stupid? How many would not think Jesus is not stupid? Is that true? So, why? How can he make such demands of us? Here's what we need to see. Because he knows exactly what he's put inside us. He knows exactly the power and the resources that he has gave us to do. He knows what he's put inside us and all he's doing actually is calling forth what you already have, believe it or not. It's already there. He's calling forth what he has already put inside you. There's some staggering truth today. Do you know the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples when he walked on the earth? That we have a greater relationship than that. You think the disciples... They watched Jesus do miracles. They watched him do amazing things. They also shared in some of the miracles that he did. They heard his teaching face to face. But Jesus said to them, listen guys, I want to tell you something. It's better for you that I go away. It's better for you I go. It's going to be, you are going to be, because listen, although I walked with you, Now, I'm going to walk inside you. I was with you, but now I am going to be within you. And he simply says, I'm coming inside you, and I'm coming with all the victory I've won. I'm coming with you, I'm coming into your life 
with the same power that raised me from the dead. I'm coming into your life to raise you to a whole new way of living. So we can walk worthy as a people who've actually got it. We begin to walk as Jesus walked. We begin to think the way Jesus thinks. We begin to do the works that Jesus did. And if you want to say, the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. And really to walk worthy of the Lord is is simply to say this. Would Jesus do that? Would Jesus think that way? Would Jesus live that way? Would Jesus say those things? That's a massive thing. And the more I realise that, is to walk to say, Lord, I want to walk as you walked. I want to kind of be like you was. I want to be the kind of person you was in my everyday practical lifestyle. That great means simply to walk worthy, to be like Jesus. To be like what he did. And the moment that challenge comes to us, you say, hold on, you know what, would Jesus do that? Would Jesus have that attitude? Would Jesus say that? Would Jesus respond that way? Often we see that maybe that isn't true. So we begin to kind of put that right and deal with it. But all the time we're growing and we're becoming more and more worthy because he says, worthy of your calling. Every person in this room is a calling there. And it's the walk worthy of the Lord. Can you say amen? Here's the second walk. Ephesians 5, 1, 2. So we walk worthy of the Lord. The second thing is this. We walk in love. Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us, given himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling savour. And you know, love is more than emotion. Ultimately, love is a choice. How many realise that? It's a choice. Love is choosing to be patient. Love is choosing to be kind. Love is choosing to be long-suffering. Love is choosing not to keep record of wrong. That's a good one. Love is choosing to honour when you are dishonoured. Love ultimately is a choice. The book called, a book by Danny Silk. Danny Silk is one of the Bethel guys and he's, he, wrote, he's wrote a powerful book. We did, actually, I think we did in our house group actually. And it's called Keep Your Love On. Remember that? Was it Keep Your Love Switched On or something? I think Keep Your Love Switched On. And he says this. I think there's your quote that I've mis- misquoted but as he says, it says, Keep Your Love On Powerless people live in fear. And the opposite of love is fear. And because fear, and because of fear, they try to control other people. Because they live trying to control other people, they forfeit amazing connections and other people. They live their lives trying to manoeuvre things. Manoeuvre people. On the other hand, people, powerful people live not in fear, but they live in love. And they choose to release other people 
to make their own choices and they choose to love them no matter what the choices they are they make. That love does not rise or fall on the growth rate of another person. It just loves, loves, loves. There's a song there somewhere. Uh, Romans 5 verse 5. What a powerful verse there is. Romans 5 verse 5. Now hope doesn't disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit was, who was given to us. You know what quality of love we have in our lives? It's the love of God. That's the quality of the love, the Bible says, that's being shed up broad in our hearts. And that word shed there, the, the Greek word for shed, the word shed means brought to be abroad. It means gusher. It means to spread, to gush, spread largely. How many can read Latin? I can't. But I've read a few, st- a few quotes by people who, who've read the Latin version of the Bible. And they say the, word, the, word, the Latin word there for gush or shed I love this sentence, is the word Niagara. Isn't that awesome? It's the word Niagara. I love it. Not a trickle, but it keeps on coming. Just when you think it's run out, there's more. Ever heard this term? There's more from where that comes from. Ever said that? And that's what God says. All my love, you know what? There's more from where that comes from. The love of God. Nothing can shut it down. No situation can turn it off. It just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. And that's the love that has been poured into you. Isn't that awesome? That's the love that you have inside you. It's there. Poured inside you. The love of God by the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in you. And you walk, not trying to get the love, you walk in the love that God has already poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Let me give you an example. Do you ever kind of wonder and realize how, how Jesus responded to people? People who opposed him, people who Maybe he rose up against him. Think of a few people. Here's an unusual Martha. Martha, actually, as you read the story, literally ignored Jesus. She was so busy doing it, she totally ignored him. And Jesus said to her, and he used this term, Martha, Martha. He wrote that term, remember that term? I used to think he said that like, oh, Martha, Martha. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. Sometimes when you repeat something twice, you, you want to you make, you know, you know when you want, you're frustrated with someone? You don't just say the word once, you want to say it twice, don't you? Interesting enough, in Hebrew culture, when you repeated something twice, it was a term that was, it was a term of endearment. It was a, an endearing term. And so when Jesus says, Martha, Martha, he wasn't speaking, oh, Martha, he wasn't speaking frustratingly. He was speaking endearing, endearing to a person who had ignored him. When Jesus looked at Jerusalem, he didn't say, oh, you guys are going to so get it now. Man, your judgment's going to fall on you. No, he said, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how much I've wanted to gather you and pour my arms around you and love you. On the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He appears to Saul, the one who is persecuting and, and putting Christians in, in prison. He says, Saw, saw, why are you 
persecuting me. In other words, there's this Niagara love that's been poured into you and me. And it keeps on going no matter what rises up against us. I kind of feel and believe with all my heart when that love really grips us and gets a hold of us. That we love in ways that shock us. We're amazed that we can love that person. We're amazed that we can react to that in that way. Because the love of God is so strong and so powerful and so gushing out of us, everything around us is transformed. I kind of really believe with all my heart, ultimately, the thing that really transforms people, the thing that makes the gospel the most beautiful thing somebody's ever heard is by the love of God's people. That's what makes it attractive, is that true? If it's just some theology we have, if it's just a set of beliefs we have, I don't think the world's going to be particularly attracted to that. But I think people love to see love in action. Can you say amen? Something hits them. Something impacts them when somebody loves them unconditionally. I was going to put, I haven't got the time to show this. Everybody wrote a casting crowns. I just love some of their songs. And one of the songs they talk about, and it says about, a, about this girl who kind of says, running past, 100 miles an hour, and he says, you're walking past the, the, the steeples of our cathedrals. How many broken people? And you thought about that. I wonder how many broken people walk past this church every day. You ever think of that? Think of all the broken people that walk past our lives. Isn't that challenging? Who are looking for someone to love them unconditionally. And when that love is coming out of you, I think something's going to be impacting, something's going to touch something. Can you say amen? So we walk worthy of the Lord. Secondly, we walk in love. And there's the third thing, very quickly, last one. We walk in light. We walk as the children of light. Romans 5. So not Romans 5, Ephesians 5. Just seeing if you're away. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children as light. And the word darkness there means oblivious to what is going on in the heavenly realm. It says you were caught up living in a world oblivious to anything that's going on around you and inside you. He says you're not like that anymore. He says, now that you've been brought into light, that you have a dramatically changed lifestyle. And to walk in the light means that you walk with, you walk in transparency. You kind of walk with nothing hidden and nothing concealed between your heart and his heart. The Bible says if we walk in the light as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. So in other words, I don't walk in pretense. I don't walk with things between me and God and pretend it's not there. To walk in the light means that you're walking transparently before God. You're open to whatever God shines in your heart. There is no cover-up, if you like, in your life. That you are walking with nothing concealed between his heart and yours. I think it's a powerful scripture I'm going to say to you right now. Number six, not number six, but number six, verse 25 
is the high priestly blessing. Ever heard that, that thing? Highly, high priest. And one of the phrases there is this. Ever heard this? May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. How many have heard that? Isn't that awesome? I'll say something though. When you look at that in the Hebrew, you know what it actually says? Because the word, it actually means this. May, the, may cause the Lord to cause his smile to be upon you. Isn't that amazing? That's what it says. It actually means God, may God cause his smile to be upon you. Now, those of you who've got grandchildren will know this point, but I love with Levi that somewhere where I can get his attention and look, and I smile. You know what I love? You know what I love? When he smiles back. He's kind of got it. He's actually got it. And out of that, he kind of he smiles back. I don't think you could pay a million dollars for that, can you? It's just the most awesome thing ever. And that's the way it is with God. You get it. You get it. And the fact he's smiling on you. You're not working for approval. You're already approved of. Amen? You're approved of by Father. Father thinks you're awesome. Father thinks you're amazing. And Father approves of you. You're not working to earn his approval. He already approves of you. And there's something happens when you see his smile. Awesome. Remember I said, I think that's why I talked about being seated with Christ in heavenly places. One thing I, mentioned, I, I forgot to mention, but I'll mention now. That word sit there doesn't mean that you sit next to him, like you're sitting here and he's sitting there. You know what that word means? To sit on his lap. That's what it actually means. You means you are sitting on the lap of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And, he pre- and, uh, and the fact you're sitting on his lap means he must think pretty highly of you. Amen? And it's out of that sense that you begin to be settled and live and you walk as children of light. And the way you walk as a children of light begins to affect other people around you. You step out of each day saying, Jesus, you're in me, and because you're in me, and because I'm sitting with you, then we are going to affect everyone around us. Amen. Things, things are going to be changed. Things are going to be affected because I'm a child of light, and as a child of light, I'm going to kind of shatter the darkness every time I enter into any dark situation. Can you say amen? And let me close with this. I walk worthy of the Lord. I walk in the love of the Lord. And I walk as a child of light. There's the real challenge. How does that really happen? How many feel that's wow, that's pretty awesome? How, how does that happen? Ephesians 5, I think verse 8 is the answer. How do you do it? How do you, how, how do you manage to do that? So I'll tell you how. Be ye filled with the Spirit. The only way you and I are going to walk worthy of the Lord, the only way you and I are going to walk in love, the only way you and I are going to walk as children of light is when we're filled with the Spirit. You'll never really walk worthy of the Lord. You'll never walk in love. You'll never walk as a child of light until you're immersed and filled with the Spirit. When Paul says, be ye filled, it's something continuous. We have to be continually filled. I like to kind of cause it this. We need to be just immersed, drenched, saturated with the Spirit. And out of that, we walk worthy of the Lord, we walk in love, and we walk as children of light. 
Here's a big challenge. If you were to take a spiritual breathalyzer test now, what would the reading be? What would the, be, what would the reading be on your spiritual breathalyzer? How many of you ever had those breathalyzers? Okay, yeah. I do have to think there has been one occasion I don't like to think about, it, but it wasn't, I was all right as well, incidentally. But here's the point. So let's take your spiritual thermometer now. Let's take a spiritual breathalyzer. What would the reading be? Would it be totally, spiritually, it's not totally intoxicated, you know, there's no intoxication there. Or would it be that person's off the scale? <laughs> Absolutely, spiritually, spiritually, he's so filled with the spirit, he's spiritually drunk, amen? He's immersed with the spirit. What I'm saying is this, you can't walk worthy of the Lord, you can't walk in love, you can't walk as children of light when you're empty. You can't walk on spiritual empty and actually be that kind of person. I think we need feel ability. And that should be our greatest desire. To be, to be filled means that you need to be thirsty. You need to kind of drink a lot. You need to spiritually drink. You need to yield to him. And as you spiritually drink of him, as you yield to him, you just get drenched in the Spirit. And the more that you're filled, the more effective your walk will be, the more loving you'll be, the kind of more light will burst from your life. It's really down to that. How filled am I? The more filled I am, the more the outworking of that. In other words, I get filled, and I get so filled, I leak. <laughs> I just leak. I leak what's inside me, because I'm so filled with the Spirit. Let's stand, shall we? I thought it would be good. I'm just going to pray for a few moments. I'm going to ask the leaders to come out in a few moments. and I'm going to ask them maybe if you guys can stand along there. And I think today, if you feel that we mentioned about those kind of burdens on the shoulders, those things that you feel are real over you, I'm going to ask the leaders to come. I'm going to invite you this morning to come. And if, you, if that's true of you, that you feel this, this heaviness, this sort of thing on your shoulder right now, you feel this... The thing burdens over you. And just while we're worshipping, as we worship with this last song today, then I'd encourage you to come and get prayer today, to, to receive prayer over those things. So I'm just asking the leaders, just, they can just stand along there and they just pray for you if you've got a need right there. So I just want you to put your hand on your heart before we go any further today. And just say, Lord Jesus, today, just fill me with your spirit. How do we want to walk worthy of the Lord? Let it never be said of any of us that we've walked unworthy of him. Let us today be people who are just so full of the love of God that that love is just so powerful working out of us. And may we walk not as children of darkness but as children of light. That we, we expose the darkness. We push darkness back. We are totally contrary to the world of darkness around us because we're children of life. Father, I pray today, we, we realize that in our own natural selves, we can't produce that kind of lifestyle. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you produce all the love that we need. You enable us to walk worthy of the Lord as we walk in the Spirit. And you enable us today, Lord, in a wonderful way, you enable us in a powerful way today to walk as children of light. 
And I pray for your people today. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. I pray you'd saturate every single one of us. Lord, we want to say, we want to be continually filled with the Spirit. And just fill us today to overflowing. Saturate us, immerse every part of our being from the top of, top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Just saturate us. Fill us. Overflow in us, we pray. Holy Spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.